0: Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institutes, Pennsylvania and Dollar Valley Chapter. Today's episode is part two in a mini-series of episodes focused on on our business partner members and how they are marketing themselves in the new virtual world we've all existed in since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. We'll be talking with various business partner members about best practices for marketing in a virtual world, how to make the best of virtual events, and how to make connections and new contacts without the in-person networking events that were so, that we were so dependent on in the time known as BC, before COVID. These are important questions to think about since we are a relationship-driven industry the natural challenges of meeting new people is exacerbated by the challenges of 2020. So today's focus is on creating an effective virtual elevator pitch. And I have with me today, two special guests, Sean McCabe with Pro of Upper Bucks, who is the chair of the CAI Business Partners Council and David Velasco with Lifetime Tool and Building Products. And David is also a member of the Business Partners Council. Sean and David, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me back. I figured if I got invited back, I did okay
2: the first time. So, well, we'll see how it goes today, too. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me back, too, uh, Tony.
0: Uh, why don't you both uh, tell us, uh, tell our audience a little bit about your companies?
1: Sean? Pro is a uh, restoration cleaning company. We specialize in fire, water, mold, and biohazard. Um, with CAI specifically, we like to stress that we are. Providers of education, um, along with the chapter, we can bring you—you know—bring that to you. Continuing education, and um, we also specialize in disaster preparedness, so we can come to a facility and help you be ready for uh, the unexpected.
0: That's great, thank you. And David, tell us about Lifetime Tool.
2: Well, I'm going to use my uh, elevator uh, pitch introduction. Uh, I'm David Velasco. I'm the business development manager and uh, educator for Lifetime Tool on building products, who is a manufacturer of innovative roofing component uh, designed to solve common roofing failures. I provide managers and association uh, boards education and understanding on solving common roof issues and reducing maintenance costs. I'm available uh, virtually or in person to support associations. And I, I do my best to be an asset to maximize your current and future roofing solutions. That's what we do. Well, that's a good elevator pitch,
0: David. Um, Tell me why an elevator pitch is important.
2: Well, you know, uh, in today's world, uh, the attention span is very, very short. Uh, On average, it's said to be less than 30 seconds. So the elevator pitch is critical more than ever today to capture a prospective client's attention. We need to grab them quickly or lose them forever. So how does one build an effective elevator speech and use it in a virtual environment
0: that we've all been in for the last eight months?
2: Well, what's interesting is that the virtual environment is also impacting the, the live events. So really at this point, there's carryover on both sides. Uh, but some of the fuma- fundamental guiding principle in building an in-person elevator pitch will carry over into the virtual world. When we meet somebody as a social distant event or, On a business school, we need to keep in mind uh, very key principles.
0: And David, what are those
2: principles? Can you take us through them? Sure. Well, let's deconstruct a typical introduction speech into two major aspects that need to be balanced. Once we have these two facets of our elevator pitch identified, we can start to identify the other uh, guiding principles within them. So to balance that elevator pitch, we need to balance uh, the delivery and the content of of said speech.
0: Uh, Explain a little bit more about what you mean by balancing act.
2: Well, think about it this way. You may have as a service provider, the best service, the best product, maybe even the best price in the entire industry, but it doesn't matter if you're not able to convey that message quickly and effectively and most importantly in an engaging manner that leads to an ongoing relationship with the person you're you're talking to.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
2: And in fact, you know, uh, a lot of what makes uh, our elevator pitch effective are things that we all know. We've heard them, we've talked about them, but either we fail to implement them or we forget to do it because we're in the heat of the action, we're stressed out, we have Connection issue, our mic wasn't on, uh, things that can affect our delivery, that can affect our of pitch. Um, we need to be aware of them. Uh, also, sometimes we just revert back to the things that we've known to do for 20 years and we just forget that now we're on Zoom. We forget that things are done on the phone. Um, either way, it's up to us to make uh, the changes that we need to adapt to that digital age that we live in that you were talking about. And the points that we're planning to discuss are things that we can uh, use and really should think about implementing. Tony, David, I wanted to add that just the thought
1: process of, for me, I'm terrible at names. So when I do meet someone, um, you know, and again, I know the attention span is low in terms of the amount of time you have somebody. But I think some of us just need to focus more on the overall appearance of the, you know, of yourself as well as just something that maybe is could stick as a memory. And again, going by myself, I'm terrible with names, but I might remember, you know, David's that dude with the mustache that sells roofing products. Like whatever it is that you can get in someone's head, um, I'm not, this elevator speech is great, but for me, you know, I think there's, the other piece of that is to just keep appearance in mind and maybe that first, you know, even just the hello itself, there could be something that can stand out.
0: I would agree with that because I'm also very bad at names, even though, you know, we're all in a business where names are important. Um, I'm, I'm not very good either. I share that with you, Sean. So I think it's important for the listener um, in an elevator speech to pull out the one or two things that the, the person giving the elevator speech wants them to take away, but also keep it not too complicated and not too long. So people like Sean and I can focus on the basic thing, like remembering your name. <laughs> I think that's important. For
1: me, I if I do get your name wrong the first time, it stays that way. So, Tony, if I met you and for some reason I had you as Bill, you'd still be Bill today. So,
0: I agree with that 100% because I've, I've done that too. And it's hard to, you know, I guess maybe it's that old first impression thing. It's hard to shake first impressions.
2: As a matter of fact, my real name is Jean Pierre, but I had to change it because Sean called me Dave. <laughs> Now I'm going, to,
0: I'm going to call you Jean-Pierre. Um, what, should, what should we consider or keep in mind
2: when working on an elevator speech regarding our delivery? Actually, let's jump on what you were just mentioning, the both of you. Uh, it's true what we're going to say is important, but there's a statistics out there uh, from a, um, a study that was done by a, a, a psychology professor from UCLA. Uh, that is called a seven thirty-eight fifty-five 55 percent rule. And it applies to our elevator pitch. So our liking of a person that is communicating a message to us is only based up to 7% on what they said, on the words they used. 38% of it is based on the tone and inflection of the voice uh, that we have during that conversation. And 55%, which is obviously over half the reason why somebody is gonna remember you is based on the body language. So body language is really a key factor in our elevator speech. Speech. It's happening even before we start speaking. And one of the main things that it's important to be relaxed. It can be stressful when we're on Zoom. We can be stressed about many different things. The dog is dog going to bark or, but whatever happens, we have to be in a relaxed position, in a relaxed setting. Uh, keep your posture in- inviting, don't cross your arms, avoid things that are really um, blocking that conversation. Um, we want to keep in mind that we we want to be aware of those things that we can do that convey a negative message, stress, or, or maybe we feel bored into that meeting. Well, let's pay attention to what's happening because people can, can see us and they can already preformed an opinion of ourselves before we even started talking. So don't be playing fidgeting with something during that conversation, during that meeting, pay somewhat attention to what's happening and stay engaged uh, with it. We have to be our personal brand. So put out there on that screen, what you want people to get from, uh, from you. And
1: David, I think along with that, you know, I think you're saying it, Um, just to stress it, maybe it's just, it it doesn't, it shouldn't be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be too salesy. You're really just trying to meet a person. And yeah, you certainly want to exchange a name and you want to connect the dots on what that person does. Um, But if it seems like a rushed salesy type of, uh, you know, pitch, I think it, it, it will not leave that impression that you want, which is really, you know, just like you said, I can't, there's percentages I didn't know, but they do make sense to me. I think it's more about just the person your overall appearance and vibe um, first, and then everything else fills in.
0: Do you think those percentages um, are have been altered by the virtual world? Do, do you think body language is more important now, or less important, or tone? You know, how much of an impact has the this format that we're using right now, Zoom? How how much has the format do you think affected what David just said about those percentages of body language versus tone? Or do you think it's the same? Do you think that hasn't changed?
1: One thing I believe is, you know, I've heard this from many people is with the virtual world, if you are on a session and you're not being asked to keep your camera off, actually keep it on because there is that first impression is either going to be that blank screen maybe or your company logo. But if again, if no one's asked, If no one's asking you to be off screen, I highly encourage people to be on screen um, because that is a huge difference. If you're obviously meeting in person, you're going to meet in person and virtually why eliminate that if you don't have to. If it's a technology thing or, you know, just not clouding the screen, that's one thing. But I think people should uh, be out there and be visible at all times, if possible.
0: Do you think that um, the virtual... Elevator pitch or the virtual format means. My impression is you need to be more concise in a virtual format. Do you agree with that? That 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 the attention span of the person on the other end is probably shorter today than if they were standing in front of you in an exhibit hall or something like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think uh, one of the points I was mentioning earlier is that uh, for some that were already engaged with that type of technology before, we can see the carryover of what we're trying to implement um, already in person. Uh, And for some, it may be very difficult because we were used to do lengthy conversation, lengthy introduction, and we have to work on it to to keep that concise. Uh, It's going to be more and more prevalent With that, how long, whatever the Zoom world is going to last?
0: David, go ahead. I'm sorry, Sean, were you going to say something?
1: Yeah, just
2: to throw in there,
1: you know, the the virtual world can be a little awkward. Um, And again, if you're in a group, there's six people on there, you know, you have a tendency to step on each other by accident. In person, you're not, you know, there's more, you're more aware and you can see what people are trying to do. So you might see somebody opening their mouth to talk and you can, you know, you can react to that. But I think the virtual world can be awkward and, you can almost step on each other, but I think that gets better over time. But again, I think being on the screen helps that.
0: David, talk a little bit about the, the personal presentation, You know, your image coming across on screen.
2: Well, that's, uh, that's directly linked to our body language, really, when it comes to the screen aspect of it. We have to be cognizant of what we look like on screen. Uh, we may be... Um, We may want to work on certain aspect of our our dress or grooming to make sure that the way we appear on the screen is giving the the right impression. uh, That we're trying to communicate either to our prospective client or future business partners that we want to uh, we're interacting with. Uh, This is particularly important Uh, today we see you know HD webcams uh, very large monitor screens that have very high definition good resolution so. What we wear, how we wear, um, is important. We've seen gaffes uh, over Zoom. Over time, people have been notoriously famous for uh, making Zoom mistakes. So let's be fully engaged and not miss the opportunity to carry the right message. Uh, I was mentioning before, uh, Tony, is kind of like being in the zone. Like If we are dressed up for the event, for the occasion, then we convey what we do. Just like you, you're going to the game. You may want to wear your jersey, but sometimes you're just staying home. You're not going to see anybody that that day, and you're still going to wear your jersey. Well, you want to be in the zone, and that's really what we want to have as far as the 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 visual, the personal presentation. We want to deliver um, what we want to convey. We want to present it.
0: Sean, I think the point he's trying to make is that you and I probably should have worn a tie today. I
1: thought exactly. As soon as he started mentioning that, he's attacking our dress. That's what he's doing. I could feel it. He was staring right at me when he said it.
0: I mean, we should make the point. David is the, dress, the best dressed among us today.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. And I've never pretended to be someone else. So that's got to tell you something. I mean, I, you know, I do want to be like you, David. Oh, thanks. <laughs> With or without the mustache. With the mustache, for sure. All right.
0: So whether, whether we're, uh, we're on the phone or in person or on Zoom, is there any guidance that, that either of you have regarding the timing of an effective introduction?
2: I'll, I'll jump on that, uh, Sean. In fact, the timing, it's all about the timing when you talk about elevator uh, pitch. It's something that is concise, that is um, uh, small, that you can deliver within the time frames that it would take to, to just ride a few floors in an elevator, you just talk to a stranger next to you. You should be able to tell them who you are, what you do, and make them want to call you back or to refer you in the future within 30 seconds or less. That's the goal. Uh, sometime before I do a, a networking event, I time myself with my little speech and I try to stay within 20 to 25 seconds uh, to make sure that I can deliver that.
1: I agree with the sh- you know, short and you know, get through
2: it. I, I think the
1: name, the appearance and, you know, the connection to the sales to what you sell or the service you provide is, is the critical piece. And if you could do that in under 30 seconds, I think uh, better for everybody involved.
0: So are there any other pointers to keep in mind regarding our
2: delivery that you'd like to uh, get across before we move on to the content? Well, I remember we talked about a 55% was linked to body language, which we expanded quite a bit on. Uh, but we also have 38% that we're linked to our tone, the inflection of our voice, the modulation. So let's address the 900 pound elephant that is in this podcast, which is my French accent. So um, I'm not kidding. You have to be cognizant of your speaking quality and fighting with an accent can be just like fighting with other uh, troubles that we may have uh, when it comes to our, our voice. Sometimes we may speak too low, too, too loud or maybe too boisterous. Well, whatever it is, we need to be aware of how we speak, how we come across, not just the way we think we come across. And we need to do some research maybe on speaking, public speaking qualities, such as modulation, enthusiasm, conviction, warmth, empathy. Those qualities help us up to 38%, Tony, to deliver a message that's going to be effective and memorable to the person that we interact with. Along with that, is the,
1: you know, again, just be, you know, relaxed, I think, take a deep breath and, you know, relax, settle in before you go ahead with your handshake presentation, whatever it is that first, yeah, I think people get a little, you know, too juiced up for it. And honestly, it's just, you know, you're meeting somebody, just reach out the hand, give your 10, 15, 30 second introduction. Don't be too juiced up, take a breath and settle into it.
0: And of course the more you do it the more you do this the better you become at it and the more comfortable uh, that y- you are doing
2: it well now that we've covered this pretty good uh, why don't we jump into the second uh, aspect of that message which is the content and one of the most important and most difficult point to convey is clarity on what you do you need to create interest by using a question or a statement that will be of interest to the listener. Uh, it's difficult to summarize this part into one simple action verb. Um, if I take my elevator speech, I try to present my uh, myself as obviously the business development manager, which is my job title, but really is followed by educator. That's what I want people to remember. I'm not here trying to sell you something. I just want you to be aware of what we do and what we can deliver. So educator is my key word. Uh, I noticed in Sean's presentation, he said the same thing, education. And that's really what we're trying to, to summarize and communicate to our prospects and people we interact with. Um, we wanna be aware of complicated job titles. It needs to be clear when somebody listens to us, they need to know what we actually do for a living. There's this. Uh, uh, job titles, uh, one of the uh, Microsoft employee had, I really like it. It's called Galactic Viceroy of Research Excellence. Now, no kidding, this was an actual job title that somebody had, and that person was doing cloud research all day. They actually had a pretty important job, but the title is completely ridiculous, and you have no idea of what they do.
0: I'm actually going to suggest to the board that we change my title to Galactic Viceroy because I like that's the sound of that. But you're right, it does sound a little bit ridiculous. So, it sounds if, like
1: your salary should double, though. If you have that, I don't know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your salary is. If you get that, it should double at least, right?
2: I'll, I'll suggest that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you have a title, nobody even dares asking you what you actually do. It's just a really good title. <laughs> if you have a title that's, that's Viceroy in it, it's, it's good no matter what. What, what's the next
0: building block in the introduction?
2: Well, we really want to provide a solution. Why would somebody be interested in interacting with us if we have no solution to what they have to deal with? Now, we're in an industry that is um, people-driven. Uh, we know, or we should know, uh, what's of interest for the other people that we want to interact with. Different times of the year, that interest will change, and we need to stay in tune with that. But the elevator pitch can also be uh, refer to as the initial value statement. What value do I bring to you as a person? So we want to think about what are the services that I provide? How can they be of use to my audience? How can I help your client or help you and uh, bring value to you? There's no need to unload the entire portfolio of what we know how to do or can service. Uh, we just want to focus or concentrate uh, on just one or two aspects of what we are about to do and deliver. This is the best way to be remembered. We want to concentrate on small item uh, and and pick the person's interest. Once that interest is picked, we can go back to it, and that's the doors that we leave it open, that we can leave open to engage in the future.
1: David, I want to throw a question, maybe, and as this you know, as we're talking, um, we didn't. This just. Conversational for me, like just as you're talking, I'm thinking about it. But your pitch could be different depending on the audience, right? And I don't think we've really said that that way. But um, depending on who you're speaking to, you know, you might be more focused on the product, or maybe you're focused on something different, like the education. It just depends on the on the client that you're trying to connect
2: with. Correct? Exactly, and that's where it's so important to remain flexible. And the next point that I would like to, to, to take away from, from that is really concentrate on the audience you're trying to reach. Who or what companies are you trying to target with what you're offering? And that, like Sean said, it will vary depending on the settings that we're in. But we need to put the work into our, our elevator speech so we can have something that is really uh, tailored to the audience. So that's the only way possible that we can have like this concise presentation. When we introduce ourselves, we want to be adaptable. We may need to to, to uh, adapt very quickly. Uh, if we do a, a Zoom meeting and it's back to back with uh, a networking group, for example, when we jump from one um, breakout room to another, we may need to do the same elevator speech twice in a row, but differently because we have different audience now. Um, once we meet the people, they should have clearly understood how we can help them personally. Think about it this way. You never jump in your car and start driving without knowing where you're going to go, or I hope not. But that's the same thing when it comes to our presentation. We, we don't want to start introducing ourselves not knowing where we're going to go with that person in front of us.
0: So you actually need to have multiple elevator speeches prepared, maybe similar, but there need to be. Uh, depending on who you're talking to, you might need to refine speech A to apply to audience B because you want the person you're talking to to obviously hear the most important thing you have to say that is relevant to them.
1: Tony, I was going to that exact same point as you, you know, when David was finished, I was like, that's you do have those, you might just have a random run in with somebody where you're just doing a general hello and, and introduction. So you kind of have that ready to go at all times. Um, I would imagine if David's speaking to a bunch, you know, roofing contractors, it's one thing. If he's speaking to community managers, it might be a little different. So I do think there's, you know, variations of it we should have ready to go.
2: Exactly, because the solution I'm going to deliver to a manager is not the same solutions that I deliver to a, a roofing contractor, because their interest in my product is going to be placed at different is different level. It's not necessarily the same interest in the end. However, having multiple uh, options when you write down, when you sit down, take the time to write that elevator speech, you can identify three, four different main markets that you will be typically interacting with target people that you can interact with. Maybe it's another business partner, you want other business partner to know where you do, you want your target clientele, maybe roofing contractor, maybe it's a property manager, maybe it's the lawyer, depending who you're talking to, general public, whoever you're interacting to, you may have just slight adjustment to your presentation.
0: Well, let's take the CAI audience as an example. Um, We've got property managers, community association managers, we've got the management companies that they work for, and we've got the homeowners that govern the community associations and then you've got the business partner so you know for for both of your businesses you provide products and services to all of those audiences because in, let's take serpro for an example you do disaster cleanup it doesn't it's not just a condominium you know we could have a fire at a business partner or a management company has a flood and so you know you're the, the audience is different but your product and your service is the same, but you need to differentiate how you communicate to the various audiences so that they take away the thing you want them to remember because a homeowner might need to hear something different than a manager, right?
1: Absolutely. And one the reason we really focus on the education and the preparedness more is because you know, our services can be pretty invasive. We're not just coming into your building, we're coming in and we might be removing things moving your stuff around, whatever the case is. And, you know, you got to have a lot of trust in somebody to, to take ownership of that. Like, Hey, Sean, we're going to sign this over to you and you have it. Um, So for us, the education and the uh, preparedness is such a big piece because that allows us to get to know someone better now um, so that when they need us, there's a comfort level when we, when we show up. So huge, uh, you know, huge piece of who we are and how we try to put it, you know, develop our, who we are out there to uh, anybody that needs to engage with us.
0: So let me ask you both, what principles have both of you used to build an effective introduction that's going to leave a lasting impression, especially in a
2: virtual world? Well, when it comes to uh, the virtual world, it, it's important that we um, we sound authentic, genuine, because we're not here in person. Like it, It's really hard to Recover if you have a misstep like you really have the attention on you that that camera is spotlighted uh your zoom is putting you in front of a bunch of people that you don't know um, it has to be genuine it has to be heartfelt um, but to be able to deliver that and overcome maybe our, our french accent to overcome our stress level to overcome uh, the dog barking, whatever we have to overcome, overcome as a challenge to be successful in this virtual world, we need to prepare for it and we need to rehearse. So when we actually deliver, it doesn't sound salesmany, doesn't sound uh, pre-recorded. Um, we have to be able to think about it this way. The person I just met, next time I meet her, is she going to is that person going to want to avoid me or is that person going to come over? to help a bump me or next time we're in a breakout room, is that person going to be avoiding my breakout room, trying to jump out because I'm this annoying guy? Or is that person going to actually bring me a referral and another business partners that they know that I should be interacting with? Uh, that's how we really want to view yourselves. For me, it's very
1: simple. I want to be remembered. So if I put on a fake mustache, pretend I'm David, Nobody seems to forget that. And that's a strategy that works. Um, Or I just make Robin show up because she sounds better and looks better than me. But on a serious note, um, I do think what David hit on is the genuine, again, I think so much of this comes down to just relax. Like, you know, your future's not hinging on on this one meet and greet, this 30 second, you know, introduction. So important to be likable and to be remembered. Um, But I think a lot of that just comes from
0: just, you know, relax, settle in. So the, the three of us have, have gotten to know each other a lot over this last year, probably more so because it's been virtual. Um, and you know, we banner back and forth. I think um, you know, that's become a shtick between some members of the business partners council. How important do you think humor is, especially in a virtual format?
1: based on my behavior, I would say it's critical. (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's, I, you know, I think it's very, it's again, I like being relaxed and I think we can all, you know, help somebody else be relaxed or be more stressed. Like, so if we can lower the temperature on the, you know, the anxiety of, of some of those sessions, because you're meeting somebody for the first time or whatever, I think anytime we do that, everybody wins and you, you'll see, you know, when you, Shoni, I know you've seen some of these meetings or anything we've been in. Nobody's talking and then 30 minutes later, you have eight people talking like there's a conversion that happens there. And that happens because people settle in and they get more comfortable. I think we all win when that happens.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And Sean has been a a good lead uh, for the chapter, I should say, as far as bringing humor to the table, but you can see that in, in other chapters. Uh, like New Jersey, you can see really good interaction meetings are very dynamic in the same way, uh, but it's not the case everywhere. And we really want to bring that part to uh, To the table. It's part of our success uh, tools, we need to be to be professionals, but we can not be overly serious uh, when it comes to these events We have to be fairly, uh, fairly light when it's appropriate uh, because we're all in the same boat, and when we when we can relate to each other, uh, have a little bit of a relaxed attitude with things, I think it makes it um, genuine, makes it comfortable, makes us look forward to the next meeting uh, instead of dreading being on Zoom again.
1: Tony, I can't let this go without asking you your opinion on that. So, would you throw I, it out. I,
2: there? I agree 100.
0: percent I think humor is really important. Appropriate humor is really important. Um, probably more so in a virtual setting because it helps break down those barriers and it helps, you know, this year in particular. Maybe this wouldn't be true in a normal year and we just happen to have a a Zoom event, but this year in particular, it helps put people at ease given all the challenges everybody is facing in the world. Um, So I think it's important. And of course, anytime Sean Sean shows up, we've got humor. So it's really... It's helped all of
1: us. There's another piece of that, which is this is the secret to my strategy. Is even with other organizations, I asked Nicole Scarrow to get involved, because when she's involved, there's easy targets. Like there's material <laughs> all day long you can take shots at. So
0: somehow I think she would say the same about you. <laughs> probably. I probably would. Any uh, any last words before we wrap up?
2: Well, if you sit down, go back over these, uh, the point that we discussed, uh, between Sean, you and myself, Tony, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff that can be unpacked, analyzed. Um, and once you sit down and start writing down another speech, practice, 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 and I'll let you take the ball from here, Sean.
1: You know me, I'm very much about being relaxed and uh, being yourself. And I think if you do that, you know, whatever you say, even if you you know, messed up. Even if you butchered it a little bit, you can recover it as long as you're being, you know, genuine, honest, and uh, just relax.
2: Yeah, you know that I'm going to butcher some words uh, throughout the podcast at one point or another.
0: <laughs> well, you did pretty good. You did pretty good. Uh, this was really good content. This was a great conversation. I want to thank both of you for joining me today. And uh, I think that's about it. For more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. And thank you for listening.